Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for today is Matthew 5, 33 through 48. It's on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. And you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the children of God in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as Abba God is perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's this phenomenon in Norway called slow TV. Instead of network programming filled with juicy plots and cliffhangers and commercial breaks, you can turn on the TV and watch five days of a boat ride from different camera angles. And I struggle to describe this accurately. It's not like reality TV or a documentary in which you watch something real or real-ish but with the narrative clearly framed for you by directors and producers. Nor is it like the fireplace you can turn on on Netflix or the scenery screensaver from your computer. It's more like when you would turn on a camcorder on Christmas morning, you know, like in the olden days. <laughs> and keep it on as you went about opening presents and dealing with sibling squabbles. 
Slow TV is what happens when you literally let cameras run and watch life happen in real time with no director cuts, no commercial breaks, no camera angles that get the tight frame of a facial expression. There's no foreshadowing or musical cues for what is about to happen. Instead, the viewer gets everything. And if this idea of watching a five-day boat ride sounds absurd to you, you're not alone. There have been a lot of wringing of hands trying to figure out why this has become such a sensation in Norway. Why has the whole country been captivated by basically a GoPro camera in high definition strapped to a boat or a train or a pair of knitting needles? Cultural experts suggest that slow TV is so popular because it allows for rumination. When one's mind is not possessed by a plot, it relaxes, which allows other parts of the brain to activate. One can look at the shore as the boat goes by, and instead of looking for clues for what will happen next episode, a person can instead let the mind wander to memories of childhood trips to the beach, to the ebb and flow of relationships as triggered by the ebb and flow of the tide, to dinner plans later, or the feel of socks on your feet. Wide discussions of Norwegian identity have come out of this mass slow TV watching because instead of being told what the story is or what to think, the Norwegian people just think. Instead of drowning out viewers' inner lives with dialogue and action, it rather functions as a backdrop that gives rise to the viewers' own lives. And I realize that there are a lot of activities that provide a busy hand, quiet mind, like knitting for yourself, or gardening, or woodworking, or going on a walk, essentially getting away from technology so you can think. But slow TV does not resist technology. Rather, it provides a mindful space within it. It's void of nostalgia or yearning for simpler times or the smugness that can come with rejecting technology. Instead, it offers a tool for navigating life today by providing a space to indulge in reflection and meditation. One might say, slow TV does not come to abolish technology, but to fulfill it. This week, I watched just 20 minutes of a seven-hour train ride through the Norwegian countryside with a body of water on the left and a green terrain peppered with towns on the right. And the train would sometimes go through tunnels and the screen would be dark for so long that I'd wonder if the video had stopped. And occasionally a woman's laughter could be heard in the background. And I found my thoughts wandering beyond my to-do lists and reactionary default to a slower, longer form. I thought about how different this train ride would be if instead of the Norwegian countryside, it was from here to Lubbock. Very different scenery. I thought about the things I like to do when traveling. Reading, doodling, staring out the window. And I wondered what it'd be like to be on a train ride with you all. Would we sing old gospel hymns together? Work a puzzle? have moments of collective silence as we all took in the scenery? Would our usual five-minute drive-by of a conversation turn into a three-hour heart-to-heart 
I was bought in to this phenomenon immediately. Just 20 minutes is all it took. And don't get me wrong, slow TV does not mean that shaping a story for public consumption is inherently bad. Jesus did it a lot. God speaks to us in story. We psychologically, naturally form narratives in our own life arc to make sense of the world. And we do this by saying things like, but God had a plan even though I couldn't see it. Or my mother had a hard life and that's why she did what she did. We take the raw data of our experience and we narrativize it to give it shape. And this is great. But what if for a moment we removed the produced narrative in order to disorient ourselves from our obsession with plots and scripts with hopes that we might come to a reorientation that's different. It kind of feels like Jesus is channeling the spirit behind slow TV in the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Jenna preached, and she talked about the long walk with Jesus shaping us into children of the light. And she observed that we can't white-knuckle our way through faith but rather we are invited to be shaped and renovated by disrupting our sensibilities and our understandings of how things work. And Jesus surprises us in the Sermon on the Mount, not with magic tricks or miracles, much to the disappointment of the crowd following him, but rather by slowing us all the way down to the steady, labored pace of God's movement in the world. And in this case, he's talking about God's movement through the law. In today's text, Jesus does what rabbinic Judaism calls building a fence. And he, they, the idea is that they build a fence around the Torah, the Torah, of course, being the law. And as a fence around a house protects what is inside, so the fence around the Torah protects the commandments by creating circumstances that make violating the commandment more difficult. The thinking is that if one does not let anger fester, one is less likely to commit murder. It's like the thinking in the movie Legally Blonde, classic. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't kill their husbands. Maybe it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but you get what I'm saying. So what Jesus is doing here is fence building. He's protecting the heart of what these laws are meant for. When all is said and done, it seems like Jesus is not really talking about physical violence at all, but rather agency. So take, for example, the three discussions, the slap, the suit, and the subjugation. So to be struck on the right cheek presumes one's attacker is giving a backhanded slap based on the social norms of the day. So instead of cowering in humiliation or instead of fighting back, which could result in death depending on the power dynamic of the struggle, Jesus offers a third way to look the attacker in the eye and offer the other cheek as a way to reclaim one's agency and dignity. And he does this again with the suit example. 
If the victim accepts the verdict of having his coat taken, he risks freezing to death. But if he refuses, well, he could be put in jail. But by offering also his cloak, his only remaining garment, he would thus be standing naked in the courtroom, revealing a lot, including the injustice and the incivility of the situation. And likewise, with the prescription to carry a military officer's pack. To refuse to carry the pack one mile um, risks a beating. To comply is to be humiliated. But to carry it another mile takes back one's agency and calls attention to the injustice of what is considered a given. The third way that Jesus offers in these three examples are a disruption like Pastor Katie said, to what is accepted as a given. He breaks from the script of the world and invites his listener to do so as well. And of course, to be able to go off script means one must realize that there is a script at all. One of the reasons we come to a house of worship each week is because we are disrupting rhythms that we participate in on other days of the week. There's this theologian that argues that liturgy is happening all the time, not just in church services, and our hearts are always being shaped by these liturgies. So for example, let's go to Target. Think of a store where you like to browse if if you're not a Target person. Did you know that Target is a place of worship? And I'm not just talking about the vague idea of consumerism or materialism, though that argument can surely be made. No, Target is a place of worship because it promises a version of the good life. The life that philosophers since the beginning of time have been thinking about as the end goal of human existence. And how is this good life promised? If we buy this organizational system, a system of discipline and attention, our life will finally be on track. If we purchase the garments worn by the mannequin, what some might call the acolyte, we will finally belong. And if we buy this sports gear, we will be as happy as the person using it in the ad, or what might, some might call religious iconography. And if we get this organic snack, a magic elixir, we will live forever. We don't consciously think these things going through Target, but these promises are embedded in the cathedral of Target. I mean, there's even an opportunity to take communion. You can do so by getting coffee as you enter at the Starbucks right inside. It used to be popcorn, now it's Starbucks. There are no windows in its architecture, which creates a sense of timelessness what some might call eternity. And our worship culminates at the altar where we make our offering. We come up to one of the priests who takes our money and in return they give us a blessing to take home the gift that we believe will make our life better in some way. Go now in peace, this transaction tells us. And even though we participate in this liturgy unconsciously, we are shaped by this experience. 
And I say this as someone who participates in the liturgy of Target often. We know the rhythm, the rules, the expectations, the promises, and we can't help doing these liturgies. These scripts are given to us by our culture, our society, our race, our gender, and even how our faith is performed. I invite you to do this thought experiment with where you work or a place that you frequent. Because I wonder how going through these liturgies each week affect what we truly desire and love in our heart of hearts. When we gather on Sundays, we are recalibrating our hearts to love not the good life promised to us in Target or at ball games or in military drills, or on primetime TV, or by our favorite politicians and celebrities. But rather, we are training our hearts to love what Jesus loves, to desire the good life as defined by Jesus, whose values are upside down, whose practices seem foolish, and whose call is to lay down our lives. The good life Jesus calls us to is so disorienting that he disrupts our factious patterns and says the most absurd thing of all, love your enemies. I know a lawyer once asked Jesus who was my neighbor, but this pastor wants to know who exactly is my enemy. Is it some foreign empire? Is it a militant group within my own country? Is it a predator? Is it a belief system that I find abhorrent? Is it a person who voted differently than me? Is it someone with whom I cannot even have a conversation without it turning into an argument? In our worship dream team discussion of this text, someone said, I think this might be the hardest scripture of all, and I agree. For the Jewish people that Jewish Jesus was talking to, the enemy was the occupying Roman Empire and its cronies. It was a power that pretended to be benevolent by allowing a Jewish puppet king to preside and letting Jewish people worship in acceptable ways to Pax Romana, pressuring religious leaders to police the divergent religious movements out of fear for their own preservation, which created a sense of paranoia and scarcity. It was a power that demanded adherence to norms and scripts The good life, as defined by the Roman Empire, was a charade of peace, held in place by poverty and coercion and oppression. Yikes. So I don't know about you, but I don't think that when Jesus was talking about loving our enemies, he was talking about warm, fuzzy feelings toward oppressors. What he said about the slap, the suit, and the subjugation acknowledges the lack of choices the Jewish people had when dealing with oppression. And yet their available responses were not mere matters of the heart. They required something of consequence in the physical world. So how then does one love their enemies? How does one turn the other cheek in dignity How does one become a person of integrity in a world that rewards sleights of hand and smoke screens? I don't know, y'all. But maybe we can figure it out together. 
by slowing all the way down, by forgetting the plot given to us for a minute, by recalibrating our hearts together. Maybe if we give up the need to compete and conquer, the need to master the script, we might be able to ruminate together, to be shaped by a different narrative, even if that narrative sometimes seems plotless or nonsensical, even if the plot ends in death. Because if we keep watching without any warning, we might round a corner and discover a landscape unknown to us, but known to God. And as we let ourselves be taken on this slow and steady journey of faith, as if on a train on the Norwegian countryside, we might be changed. Maybe we will find ourselves in a new place as a new people with a divine story if we just take it slow. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.